Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to preview Carolina's game, a rivalry game against the Duke Blue Devils as the Tar Heels look to go to 6-1 and one on the season and continue to keep themselves in the driver's seat in the ACC Coastal. We're going to break it all down for you, including the Duke team that Carolina is going to face in this game. We'll also take a look at some of the Tar Heel storylines, and then, of course, we'll wrap it up, as we always do, with keys to the game and our predictions. But let's talk a little bit about what Carolina has done in this matchup in years past. Uh, This is a Tar Heel team that comes in having won the last three against Duke after they had dropped the previous three to them. And Mac Brown has had a ton of success against the Blue Devils. He has only lost to them twice in his career. Both of those the first two seasons, he has won 11 straight against Duke at Carolina. So uh, it has been just an extremely successful stretch uh, for him, as well as the Tar Heels overall against their rivals from across town. But, buddy, this is a little bit of a different team that they are facing. Carolina, though, still expects, as they should, to win this game every single year. And that's one of the areas we, we talked about it a lot when Mac Brown was brought back. And I know last year's game against NC State, withstanding, um, He has done a really, really good job of winning the games against your rivals that Larry Fedora simply couldn't. Yeah, it's one of the big things that we as Tar Heel fans, that's one of the things that we ask and expect every year. You know, this this isn't a thing that we ask the program to win 10 games or go to the New Year's Six, but we do just simply ask to beat your rivals on a consistent basis. And it's something that Mac Brown did when he was here the last couple years of, 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 you know, Mac Brown part one. And he's done, for the most part, a good job here in his second tenure outside of a, a loss to Wake Forest in year one, a loss to NC State, you know, last year. Because he knows how important those games are. 
Um, you know, it's bragging rights for the fan base. And, and you know, it, 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 it pays dividends on the recruiting trail. We know how important in-state recruiting is to Mac Browns. He's trying to get this program back where he had it, you know, 25 years ago. And so that, that has been something nice to see because Carolina – and look, when Larry Fedora was here, David Cutcliffe had that Duke program at a level that not even Steve Spurrier had it at. And and so losing to them, while it still stung, you were still losing to a respectable opponent. Um, with NC State, it wasn't quite the same because they were going through a coaching change and a coach who was trying to establish what is now a very solid program, and, and, and those in Dave Doran. So, you know, that it's one of those things that, yeah, Carolina, especially this year, Duke's 4-2, and two, they're a nice story, but if Carolina's the team we think they are and the team we think they're turning into – this should be a game they win and should win rather comfortably. Yeah, no, I would I would tend to agree with that. I think this is a team that's probably going to put up a lot more fight than a lot of the Duke teams in the past. But here's the thing. This is a team that's coming off a loss last week to Georgia Tech. So how good is this team? Um, they've lost two out of three. And, and look, Kansas is, is another one of those stories that is really, really great in college football. And now, you know, the narrative for them, of course, is going to change because it looks like they're going to be without their starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who was one of the best in the country for, you know, at least a significant period of time. He sort of countered the reports that he is out for the season the other day. But, um, you know, this is a Duke team that I think there there are still some legitimate question marks about what exactly this team is. Um, do they really have a great win on the schedule? Not really. I mean, they've got a win over Virginia. They've got a win over Northwestern. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think this is a program that is ahead of schedule in a lot of people's minds, but that Carolina should be able to beat if they are truly the team to beat in the ACC Coastal. And when you look at this Duke team, first of all, good offensive team so far this year. 32.5 points per game, 416 yards of total offense, 225.8 through the air, 190.7 on the ground. So this is a team that runs the ball uh, about as well as anybody in the ACC. Uh, this is going to be a test for the Tar Heel run defense. Riley Leonard uh, enters the game off his worst performance of the season against Georgia Tech. Really, before then, he had been pretty outstanding and a real big surprise, I think, to a lot of people considering that you know coming into the season, he was not he, he was locked in a quarterback battle as well. He won out, um, but he, is, he looked really good through the first five games of the year, but Georgia Tech got to him. Uh, the thing with him is he's mobile. He's ran for over 200 yards so far this season. Uh, same thing with three different running backs that the team has on the roster. Jalen Coleman, Jordan Waters, and Jacquez Moore, uh, they really combined to be one of the more deadly backfields in the ACC. Uh, both Coleman and Waters have found the end zone four times on the ground. Same thing with Leonard. So th- this is a group that is going to want to do everything that they can to keep the ball on the ground. Uh, and and run the football. But they do have some capable receivers as well. Jalen Calhoun, uh, Eli Pinocchio, uh, and Jordan Moore, who is the guy that was actually battling Riley Leonard for the starting quarterback job. Three really solid receivers. And as we saw last week against a receiving core uh, that was really struggling for answers, Carolina let up a lot of yards. Well, this group little, I'm not going to say more proven, but so far this season, a lot more productive. The good news is for them, 
Uh, no real production out of the tight end spot so far this year. Their tight end, 13 catches, 96 yards. Uh, so Carolina is is going to have a chance to sort of get things settled. They can focus on those receivers uh, as opposed to having to worry about a tight end like they have really over the last three weeks. I thought they did a good job of taking away both tight ends against Virginia Tech. But as we saw against both Notre Dame and Miami, it really, really hurt them. Uh, the, the, the biggest issue that this group presents is the offensive line. This is uh, this this group for Duke is probably the best that they have had in a very very long time. Um, every one of their guys so far this season has graded out uh, at a 65 or better overall. Um, Carolina's had you know some some solid numbers there, uh, but they do not have anywhere anybody really near that at this point. They've got a couple of guys that have graded in the 60s, but this is a offensive line across the board that is graded out extremely well, especially uh, on the edges in pass protection. They have been tremendous, and really, it's one of the best overall units in the ACC on the offensive line. Uh, but then you go to the defensive side of the football, 19.7 points per game, uh, 381.3 yards of total offense allowed, uh, 240 passing yards allowed per game, and 140.7 rushing yards. So a team that is solid in run defense, not as good as the last two that Carolina has faced. Um, and Carolina, of course, was able to run the ball uh, pretty well in both of those games at times uh, against Virginia Tech and against uh, and against Miami, uh, the linebacking core strength of the unit, no doubt about it. Shaka Hayward is the leader there, a guy that most people around the ACC probably know. 38 total tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, and six pass deflections. Kind of a guy that does everything. They put him in coverage a lot too, though. That's an area uh, that you can sort of exploit. He hasn't been perfect in coverage, as you would expect. We've seen that with our linebackers so far this year. On the defensive line, the group's in solid shape. It rotates a lot. Um, not outstanding, but definitely some guys that can cause trouble. Dwayne Carter and R.J. Odin are the guys that are worth keeping an eye on, but they've got a whole group of guys that will rotate in there. Still a unit that you could see is working through some things. The secondary, just like Carolina, is their weak point. Uh, so far, the only guy that is allowing uh, a passer rating of lower than 87.1 so far this season is Brandon Johnson amongst the guys that have played 300-plus snaps. They have a couple of guys uh, that are really struggling on the outside, very similar to what we saw a week ago, maybe not allowing as big a plays consistently as Miami's corners were a year ago, but really allowing a lot of catches, allowing a a lot of yards. So Carolina's passing game should be able uh, to pick this group apart. So that's your look at the uh, Duke team that will – be fa- that Carolina will be heading on the road to face on Saturday night presented by DraftKings. Head to DraftKings.com. Use the promo code TPPN when you head there uh, and um, we'll tell you a little bit more about some of the great deals that you will be able to get while you are there. Well, let's look at the Tar Heel side of things here in this game and I think the biggest one is because it, he is really the most important player for Carolina's success this year is Drake May, and what does he do bouncing back from probably, I think it's it's pretty easy to say, his worst performance of the season against Miami. Still threw for over 300 yards, did find the end zone twice, two touchdowns through the air, but 
it's it's got to be it's it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back after some adversity, especially in that second half. Yeah, and I told you last week I thought it was important for him to go through that because it was going to happen at some point. You'd rather that happen sooner rather than later because the deeper you go into the season, the more important these games get, and so you got to see how how he handles it. And I think you saw a kid that threw back to back interceptions on you know first the final play of the first half. And then the the first play of the second half, but I still never thought, even though the passing game wasn't as effective in the second half, he still looked composed. He still looked poised. He still looked confident, and that's going to be important. Is that you know he, none none of that goes away when he struggles because it's inevitable. You've seen some of the best quarterbacks in the country at times, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. They've had growing pains at times as well. And, and so it's really more about him keep being confident in himself. But I think most importantly, Phil Longo and Mac Brown have the utmost confidence in him. Mm-hmm. And so whenever he does struggle, and even if he struggles again on Saturday, they're not going to they're not going to call plays that would make it feel like they don't trust him or anything like that. And that's the most important thing. I think he has the trust of of, of his coaching staff. He has the trust of his teammates, and that that's that's going to go a long way for Carolina. Um, as they try to navigate the rest of the schedule and try to position themselves to get back to the ACC title game. Oh, I, I think here's the thing about him the other day was, yeah, that second half was not great. Was he a guy that was, you know, w- was able to move the ball up and down the field after he threw those two interceptions through the air? Not really. I mean, he threw for 56 yards. Part of that was, no doubt, the game plan for Carolina. I mean, pretty much the fourth quarter, their game plan was run the football and take as much time off the clock. But who was heavily involved in them being able to run the football? Drake May. It was a guy that still made the plays that he had to when he could have lost his composure. He could have been a guy that shut down and wasn't able to move the ball with his legs. But that's not what you saw. You saw a guy that adjusted to what Carolina's game plan was down the stretch and made the plays that he needed to. I'm not worried about his mentality at all because I think here's the thing. He's handled the success extremely well. Mm -hmm. Um, He's handled the higher expectations extremely well. I would expect him to handle a little bit of adversity very well as well. And, um, you know, I, I thought he, he had that stretch. First of all, the one at the, you know, right before halftime, that was one I think we kind of debated whether or not, you know, you, you get aggressive there, whatever. That was one I didn't really have a problem with that one. The one to start the second half, that was a mistake. That's something that you're going to see happen, um, to, especially to a young quarterback. But, this is a guy, what is the one thing that we heard about him this offseason? We all heard the story about him in the ping pong match at Mac Brown's house. This is a dude that is unbelievably competitive. This is a guy that does not like to lose. So, I mean, Mac Brown said in his press conference on Monday, he's a dude that's harder on himself than we are on him. So he's a guy that I think has probably been spending a lot of the week watching tape doing whatever he's got to do to try to correct the mistakes that he made in this game. I would be shocked if he comes out and has any sort of performance like we saw down there uh, in in South Florida, which, by the way, let's not act like this was the worst performance. I mean, did, we, we saw the first half, right? I mean, outside of that, that pick on the final drive, that was about as flawless of a first half as you could ask for. He threw for 253 yards and two touchdowns. Yep. Like, that's... I, I, 
I don't think there's any long-term concern, but it'll be interesting to see how a young quarterback can respond to that. The other thing that I think is now starting to become a bit of a storyline is will health be a factor in this game for the Tar Heels? Mainly, I think you're looking at the injuries to the defensive side of the ball are big, but I think at the same time you kind of knew that this was a this was a possibility that Carolina could you know potentially have some issues uh, on the defensive side of the ball with injuries. And look, they handled them pretty well this past week without Ray Voasik, without Don Chapman, without Ra Ra Dilworth. The concern now really is on the offensive side of the ball. Now you're losing, you know, it looks like you may be without William Barnes for this game. He was a guy that is being monitored throughout the week. Ray Voasik and Don Chapman on the defensive side already declared out. Carolina already knows they have to make those adjustments without those guys. William Barnes, they're they're probably hoping that he will, will be able to be in there. If not, and look, Jonathan Adorno, he's been solid, but William Barnes, you're talking about a guy that has been really, really good so far this year. And then the other concern is Caleb Hood. He was a guy that wasn't mentioned on Monday, but he left the game in the fourth quarter against Miami and did not return. So that's a guy that I think you also have to keep in mind here as we go throughout the rest of the week. And if those two guys cannot play, Caleb Hood, who led the team in total offense this past week with 124 yards, and William Barnes, who has been a staple of that offensive line, I think at that point there may be a little bit of concern going into this game. Yeah, it's year four, though, of Mac Brown, so you should have enough depth on your roster because this happens across the country. Like Every team out by this point in the year, they're dealing with injuries in areas where you know they're, they're needing guys to step up. And this is something that this is why we've kind of we've begged for more rotation, mainly mainly on the defensive side of the ball because you very rarely see rotation on the offensive line really until the game gets out of hand or whatever. But this is why we have stressed playing as many guys as possible. That way, you have as many guys as ready to step in and make plays as you need them to. And, and look, I know some of it they got to be you know they they got to be careful with because. Some guys, they're wanting to play them the four games and get them out so they can redshirt them. And I have nothing wrong with that um, because I think that's a smart idea. That's a way over time you actually do build depth on that roster. But, um, look, you know, you I, I think we look at these spots and you're looking at the guys and say, look, you're good enough, you're talented enough to, to be on this team. To, to You know, that's why we recruited you. So now you got to go out there and, and, and pick your teammates up and, and make some plays. And, you know, that's – that that's that that's really something that that we we need this program. That's that's the next step for Mac Brown to get this thing where he wants it to get to. Is that you know you look across the board one through twenty two they've they've got guys they've got dudes, but one through twenty two don't get you to conference title games. It's one through forty. It's one through fifty. So it's it's the, it's it's that second tier of guys that we need to step up and make plays, and you know hopefully they can do that on Saturday. Well, and the other thing is is look, I think you feel. You feel better about this group, these especially these two spots. You probably feel better than you did a year ago. Um, I wouldn't say, especially a running back. I would not say in the amount of in, in the entire time that Mac Brown has been here. Because look, there was a time where hey, if Javante Williams or Michael Carter went down, the other one was there. Um, but I, I feel like you know in the backfield, you've you've got Amari and Hampton. I just think it would really, really suck to not be able to have Caleb Hood out there because he's coming off of the best game of his career so far. 
Um, and then with William Barnes, I mean, that's just a guy that, look, Carolina has taken a big step this year on the offensive line, and he, he has been an integral part of it. He has also been a, a guy that's extremely versatile. They've been able to move him out to tackle at times. Um, they did it in the game against Georgia State when Spencer Rollin wasn't available to play. So that's where I think it hurts. I, I think, look, it will definitely have an impact if these guys don't play. Um, but I think you're right. That's, that's definitely not an excuse for why Carolina should not be able to win this game. It's just something that Carolina is going to have to navigate and they're going to have to be aware of uh, heading into this matchup with the Blue Devils. Um, the third thing I think is, you know, again, we, we've talked about it here. These last two weeks, Carolina started to build momentum. Um, I don't know if you would say that this past weekend's performance against Miami was more impressive than the performance against Virginia Tech, but look, I I think we can all readily admit Miami's offense much better than Virginia Tech's offense. So for Carolina to be able to hold them to 24 points, to be able to create two turnovers, two turnovers on downs, I think that's a really strong performance. Now the question is, can they continue to build on the momentum that they have defensively and start to also clean up some of those areas that they still are struggling, like in pass coverage? I don't know. I wouldn't say last weekend was as impressive. I thought it validated what they did against Virginia Tech. And that's what we asked them to do was you want us to believe, you want us to be excited about the way you're playing, then go away from home and do it. And so they did it. And now this is where it kind of feels like 2015. Like once this team got a big win at home, then they went away from Chapel Hill and did it, then that ball got rolling. And they started beating teams that they were more than capable of beating, and well, in a lot of ways they blew them out. And so now that's the challenge is – how do you handle, you know, prosperity? It's one. It's been one of the biggest things Mac Brown has talked about, is that we don't handle success very well. You've got a chance to have your your first three game winning streaks or your first yeah since the start of the twenty twenty season, if I'm correct on that. They would also, by the way, if they won this one after not winning a game last year away from Chapel Hill, before no four zero away from Chapel so, Hill. So that that's that that's what that that's the challenge. And, and I do think all we heard all summer was that this team was, you know, you know, preparing the right way. They were attacking the right way. We questioned that after, you know, some shaky wins to start the year. Even at home against FAMU, you had the App State roller coaster. What happened at Georgia State? It really came into question after what happened against Notre Dame. Then they responded, and now it's it's doing it again for a week because look, they know they got a week off next week. So these are college kids, so a week off you know, means less practice, more time to enjoy college life or whatever. There could be a chance where they're looking ahead, but they're facing an opponent that is much improved and a lot better than we thought they were going to be a year ago, and they'll be ready for them on Saturday. Yeah, I don't know if they'd look ahead just because you got a bye week. I mean, I, I, if Pittsburgh was next week, I think you could definitely be concerned about that. But here's the thing. I think one thing that Mac Brown has done a great job of, we kind of talked about it at the top of the podcast, about his success against rivals. I also think he's done a really good job of getting this team extremely motivated to play against rivals. Because, I mean, even the game against NC State last year that they lost, man, Carolina came out of the gate pretty hot. I mean, they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but once they got into their groove, 
in that second quarter, Carolina really took over that game. This is a team that has shown up motivated to win these types of games. So I don't know if I'm really concerned about that. I think the key to this is that defensive line. What does that group do? Because we saw a week ago, that was the best push that they have gotten all season long. Um, It's the best pressure that the defense has gotten all season long. Now, part of that is that Gene Chizik has gotten more aggressive with his blitzes. He probably feels a little bit more comfortable uh, being aggressive with some of those schemes. And, And I think it's working out for Carolina. But it really starts with what does that defensive front do? Really, what does the front six do? Because your linebackers, they have had some games where they've struggled. They've missed tackles in the open field. And that has really hurt the team. They did it against App State, and they did it against Notre Dame. But in the games where they've played extremely well, really the last two games, you've seen Carolina play very well. And that defensive front, I mean, can Carolina continue to build on the momentum that they had there? I thought the other day they did a really good job of playing against a maybe not the most polished group, uh, of offensive linemen in the country from Miami, but definitely a group that is physical, is going to want to push you around, and Carolina handled their own. Is this a group that they can handle their own against? I don't think Duke is probably the most physical line, but if you look at what they've done so far this year, they are one of the more technically sound lines. So what does Carolina do against that? Can they build that momentum there? Because I think if they do, then... They should, they should take yet another step on the defensive side of the football. The bigger concern is, what is the secondary learning anything from this game? Was this really just a one-off game where they allowed that many yards? Or is this, this going to become the new norm where Carolina is going to allow 350-400 in the passing game each week, whether it's scheme or execution? Yeah, I mean, look, for this defense, it starts and ends up front. The better they play, the better the defense plays. And I think what you saw last week was Gene Shizik's defense in a nutshell. They're going to sit back. I don't think, you know, I know we had this disagreement the other day where, you know, I don't think you got man corners on this roster. You don't like them in zone. But I, 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 I think the goal is going to be keep everything in front of you, make the tackles, make the plays that need to be played, we're going to bend from the 20 to the 20, but then we're not going to give up touchdowns. And and that's what it was the other day where they let Miami walk walk the field, but they didn't let them convert them all into touchdowns, and they forced two turnovers. And and, and that's that's how he wants to play defense, and that's, that's a capable way of Carolina playing defense and still being a very successive team because, you know, you, we we talked about you don't you know you got to be able to win games in the twenties. They did that the other day. Um, you know this is a game where if Carolina holds Duke to twenty four or less, they should win the ball game. Mm-hmm. It's not about the yards. No one gives. I mean, I don't give a damn how many yards they give up. Well, it, it, I it, wouldn't say that. I would not like to have to face as many red zone opportunities as Miami got the other day. Because, I don't care as long as they're not scoring touchdowns. But it doesn't. But here's the thing: how many times are you going to consistently make those plays over and over and over again? We've seen with this Tar Heel defense in years past. Usually, those types of performances happen once, twice a year. It's not you're not going to see multiple games where you force two turnovers and stop a team twice on fourth down. Like that's asking a lot, you know. And is look, it really though? Yes, it's it's 
You, you because you here's the thing: you shouldn't even have fourth and manageable situations. Carolina is still a team that they have allowed way, way too many yards in third and long situations for teams to either get first downs or get in fourth and comfortable situations. And that's my thing. I want to see these guys be more aggressive. There are guys that can handle playing man coverage on this team. Tony Grimes can do it. Storm Duck, I mean, he he. At this point, you kind of have no choice but to play that way because the zone coverage isn't working. You don't have guys that can tackle well. Like, here's my thing. If you're going to play zone coverage, then you have got to start rotating other safeties into the game because you've got to find guys that can tackle better in the middle of the field in open space because the guys you have right now are not doing it. So that that's kind of that that's where I'm at. But ultimately, I get what you're saying, and I, I at the end of the day, yes, ultimately that is the truth. If you are allowing 24 to 26 points, I don't think anybody's going to be angry with that. I'm just saying you're asking your defense to do a lot by saying, "Hey, you can let up all these yards." But when it matters, you have to be able to make those stops over and over again. Let's make it a little bit easier on this defense. Um, You did that for for the most part against Virginia Tech, and look how it worked out. Now, again, you're not going to face offenses that bad consistently throughout the year. But look, man, I mean... I I don't I I know this Duke offense has put up some good numbers so far, but the other thing is is have they really played a great team so far? I don't think so. Like, who's the best defense that they've played so far this year? Probably, I don't know, because Kansas really isn't a great defensive team either. Um. I mean, it was probably – was it Georgia Tech who they played last week? It may have been. Like, so that's where you're at. Like, they have not – they – this is a team that has not faced good defenses. Carolina isn't either, but you, you've seen the last couple of weeks, two out of the last three weeks, defenses have had enough success at slowing down this offense primarily last week. You've got more talented athletes than Georgia Tech has. So you should be able to somewhat resemble what they were able to do a week ago. The last storyline in this game for the Tar Heels has to be, and it's rare that we're going to do this, but it has to be with the uniforms. It's the fact that the chrome helmets are coming back. Weirdly enough, I have seen multiple people that are not happy about this. Um, I don't really get why. First of all, Carolina wore these against Duke back in 2015, and one on the road on a Thursday night and beat them forty nine or forty five to twenty. So Carolina's had success going on the road while wearing these lids. Now every time that they have done this, they have also they've worn it in a rivalry game and they've turned around and worn it again. Which I think both times we were saying to ourselves, why would you wear it again? Wear it the one time and then drop it. Um, I wonder if they'll wear it the one time this time and that's it. But I got to tell you, I I love bringing these back. I, I think these are tremendous. And look, if if this was a team that was three and three, let's say that they lost to Notre Dame and that that pretty much turned things completely in the wrong direction, then I would think you would say, okay, why are we really that worried about a uniform? This team's five and one. They're playing pretty good football. I think that this is this is cool that they're bringing these back. Yeah, I mean, look, this is really more than anything uh, a recruiting and a marketing ploy by the program to to bring out some flashy helmets. You're playing in a prime time game, and we want to call it that on the ACC network. 
on the road in a place that you you said 2015. It was actually 2014 where they won these where they wore the chromes on the road and they won. That's in, right. In, That's in right. a game that that was was very big for a lot of different reasons and and so look, I don't I don't really care like. We don't have some traditional uniform that we're going away from. We don't have, you know, as much as we love the Carolina blue, it's not thought of as one of the best uniforms in college football. So I don't really care with them having a little fun with it. The the players are going to like it. Um, I like it. So, you know, now if they lose, you know, burn them and and, and don't even bother auctioning them. But, you know, I, I, I don't really care. The people that were freaking out, like – who cares? Like, it's it's really not a big deal. We're not going to lose because of a damn helmet. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't. Well, I, I will say this. And you're not going to win because of a they helmet. They should never wear the Stormtrooper uniforms ever again. They are pathetic in those uniforms. They may they may actually lose games because of wearing those uniforms. But now with the Chrome, first of all, their record in Chrome helmets, whether it's the Carolina Blue Chrome or just the straight silver Chrome, they're 3-1. and one. So I don't like I think if if you're one of those people that's looking at that and using that as a reason to justify wearing a helmet, then there you go. I will it will be interesting to see how it looks with the Argyle uniforms. Remember they did not have them. That's that's a good point. 15, of course, how could I forget that 15 was the year that they throttled them at home um, in a game that was marketed. That's the last time I believe that's the last time that both of these two teams met with winning records. Um, they may actually, they may have met in, in 19 with winning records, but that, that was, this is probably the most hyped up game since that 15 matchup. Um, that was a game that at the time was billed as the game that would decide the coastal Carolina, of course, came out, ran the flea flicker down the middle of the field, hit him in the mouth immediately. And Duke really had nothing for them. The rest of the game, the game in 2014, you're right. Um, a, a season that honestly was very similar to this season in terms of the Larry Fedora era. A lot of people were very concerned about where the team was going. Ultimately, it didn't finish out well, um, but that was a win that was big at the time. Uh, but they were wearing the uniforms that we all hated, the uh, early Larry Fedora era uniforms that were rough to say the least. The, the, the different font, they had the black versions of those uniforms, Zero Dark Thursday, of course, which they lost in those uniforms. So I, I, it'll be cool to see them on the Argyle. I wonder what what uniforms they are going to bring out with them. Um, I think that'll be pretty cool to monitor as well. We'll probably get those tomorrow. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is, this is a cool move by Carolina to bring these back out. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we will give you our keys to the game and predictions for the rivalry matchup with the Duke Blue Devils. Stick around right here on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, back right after this. The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Look, man, I'm a Giants fan, and you know right now, with my team at 3-1 and and with the way that Saquon Barkley is playing, 
I have to get on there and bet on my guy in a contract year where I know, of course, he's going to stay healthy and he's going to get that big contract. We all know how it works. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do, everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter, at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. Make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself, at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubbard 2 for our recruiting analyst, Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Josh Marlowe with you. Let's get to our keys to the game for a Tar Heel win against the Duke Blue Devils on Saturday night. And I think first of all, we talked about it, their run game, an extremely strong group. Carolina is going to have to be ready for that running back trio of Jalen Coleman, Jordan Waters, and Jacquez Moore. But more importantly, Carolina has to be ready for the quarterback run from Riley Leonard. Carolina hasn't really faced this outside of Georgia State. They had Darren Granger. He had some pretty solid success on the ground against Carolina. But they haven't faced many mobile quarterbacks so far this year. And that's been one of the things that has hurt the Tar Heels a lot, really, since Butch Davis was here in Chapel Hill and even a little bit under him at times. Carolina has to be able to not only slow down the run against this vaunted rushing attack, but they also have to really be able to slow down Riley Leonard in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that was something this defense did really well a week ago was they limited Miami's running game, and that's why the passing yards were as much as they were. They did a really good job against against uh, Virginia Tech, and that's a big reason why that defense played the way it did. And, and look, Duke's going to try to – this is an offense that, that has put up points at times this year, but they – they know who's on the other sideline. They know how explosive that offense is, so they're going to want to, you know, you know, control the game, really shorten the game. When you do that by running the football, they got multiple different guys that 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 that, that they they can run the ball with. You'll probably see at times Gene Chizik commit a linebacker to spy on Riley Leonard and and make sure he follows him wherever he goes because this is a guy that is dangerous. With his legs, which is something that outside the Georgia State game they haven't really dealt with a whole lot this year, and so it, this is a different challenge for a team that is still trying to figure out who they are as a run defense. I've thought the last two weeks is the best they've looked in a long time, setting the edge and getting off blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a lot of room to grow, and this Duke team is going to challenge that because teams are going to try to run on the edge until you prove they can stop it. And two weeks is enough for to it's not it's not enough to discourage teams from trying to run the football at you at will. Well, in the middle of the defense so far, I mean, last couple of weeks has been pretty stout. You know, they've, I, I thought, again, on Saturday, really more than even in the Virginia Tech game, 
you saw both Power Eccles and Cedric Gray do a tremendous job of filling gaps in the run game. Um, and I thought the push up front from your interior defensive lineman was much better than it had been throughout the year, which I think kind of says a lot. It really says that Kevin Hester Jr. should probably be your starter up front, even when Raymond Velasic does return to the lineup. Um, but they have to be able to do it again. And I thought the, the, you, you brought up a real interesting point there. This is a big game for Power Eccles. He has got to be able, because when, when they're going to put a spy on the quarterback, they're probably going to have to continue to drop Cedric Gray into coverage. So who becomes that spy? It's Power Eccles. He's going to have to be the guy that is out there making plays in the open field if Riley Leonard just does take off. So he will be extremely important in this game for the Tar Heels. By the way, he's coming off arguably his best performance of the season. So that matchup should be extremely interesting to watch. Uh, The second one, win the turnover margin. Uh, That was big a week ago for Carolina, and it feels like this could be a a similar game. Um, We've seen these two teams have played some ugly games here before. Uh, Remember back to that 2019 game. That was one of the ugliest games the two teams had played. Um, And I don't really see this being a shootout. I get that both of these offenses have put up points. They put up yards so far this season. But I feel like this game will probably be a little bit similar to what we saw last week down in Miami. And if that is the case, Carolina not only has to be able to take care of the football, but you want to see this group. We've talked about the bend-don't-break mentality that we want to see moving forward. Turnovers are huge when it comes to that. Yeah, I think it's something that you forced to last week. Usually when you're forcing them, you force them and then they come in bunches. But also when you're committing them, sometimes you commit them in bunches. And um, I'm of the opinion that Carolina is going to win this game and they're going to win it rather comfortably. But I think the way they do that is if they protect the football and if they force a turnover or two along the way. It starts with getting consistent pressure up front, your guys being opportunistic in the back end, making you know, reading the quarterback's eyes, you know, breaking on the ball and stuff like that. And then as for Drake, you know, it's just figuring out, you know, if the throw is there, you know, how to make the throw, and if it's not there, it's okay to tuck and run or throw the ball the way, throw the ball away, and live to play another down and. Um, you know, this is this is a thing where if Carolina commits two or three and they and they don't force any, you could be coming on here talking about you know whether a close win or what could be a disappointing loss. Well, the other thing is is that Drake has to be able to protect the ball if he is under pressure. We've seen so far this year he had two fumbles. Both of them were pretty big. Remember, he had he had the big fumble against Georgia State at the time, which kind of helped to swing momentum even further in Georgia State's direction. And he also had the big fumble against Notre Dame that allowed them to push the lead to 24. Not saying that Carolina would have came back in that game, but the timing of that one was also an issue. So, yeah, they do have to be able to protect against those untimely turnovers. And yeah, th- this is a group that is capable of forcing ones. You want to see, hey, look, if you, you, you've got to pick your times that you get aggressive, but you've got to be able to have you know some of these pop up at some point. My concern is if you're not playing man-to-man coverage – the way that Carolina has been playing, uh, with, with, with you know keeping everything in front of you, it's hard to get those interceptions that can help you turn a game. Uh, the last thing, third thing here, I think you know I was looking for something on the offensive side of the ball specifically, and I think there's a few different things that you can do. But I think ultimately we've talked about it so many times before. The key to Phil Longo's offense 
is to be able to run the football. I think Carolina in this game has to be able to establish the run. Look, the last two weeks you've faced run defenses that coming in were statistically very strong. Well, Carolina's been able to run the ball on them for the most part, especially last week down in Miami. Uh, They did a really good job getting Caleb Hood going early. They allowed Drake May to find his, his rhythm in the run game as well and make the plays he had to. And then on the back end, you had Omari and Hampton down the stretch of the game sort of carry you on that final drive along with Drake May uh, to be able to put points up and extend the lead to 10. Carolina's got to be able to establish the run in this game and allow that offense to settle in because if they can do that, you would feel like if Duke has to load the box and try to take away this run game, the lack of success that Duke's secondary has had against the pass this year, that could allow Drake May to just pick this defense apart, which would be the ideal situation. This is a reason why Mac Brown has stressed them being able to run the football with their running backs because at some point teams are going to be able to take away their passing game. You saw it at times last year where when Carolina – couldn't run the football with their running backs. They couldn't really get anything going in the passing game, and he doesn't want that to happen again. Um, and I know I've kind of stressed the running game comes over time where the two- to three-yard runs in the first half become six-, seven-, eight-yard runs. In the second half, you got to stay committed. And and so I do think it's got to be important. As much as I trust – we're getting we're getting to trust Drake May – to, to get down and not take the hits, and he is an, a, a dynamic and explosive runner. You need Caleb Hood producing. You need Amarian Hampton producing. You need whoever's in that backfield running because the longer that they're in the backfield and they're not getting the football and those tendencies become more obvious, teams will pick up on that and start focusing on how to take away their passing game, and that's not something we, we need this offense to do. All right, so let's look at this game uh, prediction-wise. What do you have in this game, Carolina versus Duke? I've got Carolina 42-21. I, 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 Man. If, if, if they're the team they think they're on, look, Duke's a nice story. Mike Elko is, is proving why he left the defensive coordinator job at Texas A&M. To be the head coach at Duke, like he saw something where he could do something here. He also may have saw Haynes King and said, I'm out of here. But he's a defensive coordinator, so what does it matter? Well, because you would put so much pressure on that defense trying to win games for a quarterback that ain't moving yet. Anyway. I would still argue being the defensive coordinator at A&M is a higher, better profile job than the head coach at Duke, but he's proven why he he took the job and, and his vision's coming to fruition, but it's year four of Mac Brown. And as, as a nice story as Duke is, they don't have half the talent, half the depth that you have. This game shouldn't be close if you are the team you think you're turning into. I think Heels win big. I, I don't know about big. I, I mine I I would it's it's bigger than the point spread. I will say that. I have Carolina thirty four twenty one. Um, I just, you know, the, these games have been ugly before. We've seen it plenty of times. Last year, I think th- there were years where Carolina is clearly better than Duke. But this is a team that's playing inspired. This is a game that you would expect probably a pretty solid turnout for Duke. There may be like, you know, 5,000 people in the stands that are Duke fans as opposed to five people that are in the stands as Duke fans. Um, but seriously, no, this is, a, this is a game where you will probably see a pretty good turnout. Um, it is a night game. They're, 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 they are hyping this game up. There's no doubt about it. 
Um, and they feel like they have a chance to win this game really for the first time in a couple years. So Carolina's got to be prepared for a fight. I think it'll be one of those games that'll be, you know, back and forth a little bit early. But I think Carolina has the offensive firepower to be able to take over this game in the second half. And I think you're going to see this defense continue to take another step. Um, We've seen it before. There have been struggling defenses that have come into this game and performed very, very well. This is a group that now is starting to feel themselves a little bit and gaining a little bit of confidence. Granted, slowly, but it's there. I think in this game, Carolina continues to take another step forward. I think they, you know, probably show some promise in terms of slowing down a running quarterback for the first time in a a long time. And I think they create a couple of key turnovers. And I think Carolina gets it done on the road. And here's the thing. At this point, with where this ACC Coastal is, it does not matter how pretty these wins are as long as you win these games. As long as you make it to Charlotte, you have, you know, accomplished one of your goals that was on the resume for this season. So I think Carolina, they'll be in for a fight, but I think they pull it out in the end uh, and, and and do it pretty comfortably uh, when it's all said and done. So that wraps up for this edition of the podcast. Head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check out everything that we got going on over there. We're going to have you prepared for this game against the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, everything you need to know. We'll have the preview of it. Uh, we'll be breaking down uh, everything from the team breakdowns to the team stats, uh, as well as the injury reports. We'll tell you the latest uh, that we know at the time whenever we put that article up uh, about the statuses of the guys uh, that are currently being monitored for this week. Again, remember Raymond Voasik, the defensive tackle, uh, as well as the uh, backup safety Don Chapman are out for this game. They have already been declared out, so Carolina uh, already knows that they are going to have to roll with more Kevin Hester, a bunch of rotational guys up front, as well as uh, stick with you know more of Geo Biggers on the back end. But we are also keeping an eye on Jaquarius Conley. Will he be able to return this week? He did return to full practice last week, so hopefully he is able to return for this game against Duke and maybe uh, be able to rotate in a little bit with Geo Biggers over there at that boundary safety spot. Um, we'll be keeping all an eye on all of that over on the website, and then once it's over, we will have you covered with everything that we normally do when we uh, look back at the games, the uh, recap, stock report, trench report, uh, Ashton's analysis, and the press conference on Monday, all of that stuff over there at HeelToughBlog.com. So that wraps up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening, and as always... Go Torius! Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.